You're about to hear the 3CR Community Radio podcast of Psychedelia. For more information on this show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Psychedelia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or find us on our website. Good afternoon. My name's Nick Wallace. This is 3CR in Psychedelia. Uh, we've got a, um, uh, a bit of a um, uh, some flashbacks in today's show. I've got an uh, interview uh, that was done in 2012 with Fiona Patton from the Australian Sex Party um, talking about the uh, Portuguese drug policy after she went back there, and I think it's uh, appropriate to play it this week with now the uh, Greens coming uh, on board with that policy. Um, Richard Di Natale uh, talking about that this week. Um, um, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll jump straight into some news, actually. Ash, uh, one of our regular Encyclopedia contributors, uh, what news have you got for us this week? Uh, afternoon, listeners. Um, something that happened this week was the Splendour in the Grass Festival up in New South Wales. It was widely announced before the festival that police would be having a broad sniffer dog operation there, and they brought out their general warning to you know, not take drugs. Um, it's a bit of a culture war going around that issue in New South Wales at the moment. The festival broadly uh, publicised people's rights so that they're very clear about what their rights are if they have an interaction with the police. And there was also uh, Lismore Randall lawyers set up a free tent inside the festival itself to advise uh, people that have perhaps been caught with drugs and uh, have a pending charge. Mm. Um, one of the pieces of advice that they offered was that... Um, even just trying to get the uh, hearing heard in a different court can significantly affect uh, your outcome there. And I know uh, in New South Wales there's a, uh, a drug um, a drug group called Unharm who have been uh, working hard on trying to uh, stop the, the sniffer dogs. Uh, just, just a quick couple of facts for you. Uh, three out of four times that uh, sniffer dogs detect um, something, there, there is nothing, so it's a false uh, a false detection. People can get strip searched with a false detection, including the old, um, you know, up, up your genitals. Um, so it's, it's not, not particularly pleasant, and that's three out of four times. 75% of the time, sniffer dogs are incorrect. Um, from the newdaily.com.au this week, there was a uh, an article that uh, quoted some experts. Uh, there were three experts speaking in the article, um, saying that due to, uh, in part, to its cheapness and its availability, cheap wine, uh, goon, cask wine, or um, you know, cheap bottles of wine, is Australia's worst drug for negative health and social consequences, which um, uh, I suppose by all the measurements could be so. Yeah, this was also covered um, in some of the initial hearings on the Victorian Royal Commission into Family Violence. It was put forward that perhaps cheaper alcohol, such as the you know goon and the really cheap wines, might be contributing to mm. uh, that effect. Which they are um, taxed at a completely different rate to um, uh, to all other kinds of alcohol. And uh, we've also got Greg, one of our other Encyclopedia contributors, who just wants to add something. Yeah, look, I'd say I'd actually, as, as someone who's worked in with long-term unemployed and uh, worked with long uh, with homeless people, um, I'd actually agree 100% with that. Um, you know, only about a month ago, I uh, caught up with somebody who lives up in the town where I am, and he had $3 on him, and he was talking about how hungry he was. Went into the um, supermarket to grab something, came out with a bottle of alcohol, no food. And that is something which, um, you know, it's not something that happens to everyone, but the very fact that it is so cheap and so available uh, can actually cause hugely devastating mm. impacts. 
Okay, in uh, other news, the uh, Business Insider reported this week that professional gamers will now be tested for performance-enhancing drugs. <laughs> the announcement... <laughs> so this is the StarCraft gamers out there, or World of War- Warcraft? Or... Well, this one in particular is related to a Counter-Strike global oh, offensive tournament happening in Germany in August, where the prize for the winner is $250,000. So we're talking about a serious, you know, electronic sport. And um, the Electronic Sports League has come out just weeks after one of the gamers had admitted to using the stimulant Adderall at a tournament. He uh, joked about it and joked about it being a widespread thing that people do. So they're going to be taking random skin swabs to test people for drug use. Wow. Uh, That's uh, quite an interesting development. Psychedelicpress.co.uk. They're a um, publishing organisation in the UK and they've uh, published their fifth journal this year, uh, which includes articles from Rick Strasman, who was the author of DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Um, and he's writing about the prophetic state and DMT. Uh, there's also an article on ayahuasca, modern culture and healing. And an article from a man named Toby Slater, who has been involved with the UK's recent LSD trials, which were which are the first that have been performed in over 40 years. Uh, that's psychedelicpress.co.uk. Um, only 250 copies of this um, of this journal. I bought a copy. It was only six pounds online, plus six pounds um, for uh, postage. So whatever that is in Australian dollars, <laughs> to under twenty dollars. Um, and I think there's about 30 copies left if you do want to grab one. Okay, in uh, Bali this week, an Australian man has been jailed after being caught smoking a joint on a beach. Uh, Police seized 0.86 grams of marijuana, and um, this is an ongoing uh, sort of doubling down of their harsh drug laws that's happening in Indonesia right now. Uh, They've resumed executions in 2013 after a hiatus of several years, and, um, you know, it's also, there's a bit of tension diplomatically between Australia and Indonesia after the execution of Andrew Chan and Myron and Sukumaran. So. Mm. Be, uh, be aware if you are travelling overseas to uh, recognise local laws because otherwise you can get in a lot of trouble. Uh, the Conversation uh, have a piece this week on uh, drugs and how they affect cognition and ultimately people's uh, morality. Uh, it was an interesting piece. It wasn't specifically fo- focusing on illicit drugs. It was actually um, focusing more on the kind of prescription um uh, pharmaceuticals that uh, a lot of people are put on these days. I think it's sort of something yeah, like well, that, the population. That relates to the the video gamer story. It's um, something that's you know it's widespread in a lot of universities, particularly in America right now, for people to use things like prescription drugs off label for some kind of at least perceived cognitive cognitive advantage. Mm, exactly. And um, did you have a final story for us? Um, yeah, or, we can go to Richard Di Natale. And oh, I'll, I'll tell you one, one quick last one. Uh, Vice also had a uh, piece this week on the conversation around drug policy and the need for more pragmatic policy conversations. Uh, all of those articles are available on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Psychedelia, or you can just log on to 3cr.org.au and follow the links there to the program page and all of our links to social media and website are there. And I think that uh, flows nicely into Richard Di Natale because the Greens are getting pragmatic, it seems. Yeah, well, that was the big news for me in Australian politics this week, was um, at the start of the week, the leader of the Greens, uh, Senator Richard Di Natale, announced that uh, Australia should uh, give up on the damaging uh, drug war and embrace similar to similar policies to Portugal, where they've embraced a harm minimisation policy for about 10 years and the decriminalisation of all drugs. So I got an article off um, the senator's uh, website, 
And these are the top five things that Richard Di Natale learned when he went to Portugal on a self-funded uh, tour. Number one, changing the laws uh, drives drug use down, not up. So that's been fairly consistent with Portugal. In Colorado, they've seen similar things. Most places where they've embraced a more progressive model with drug laws, they've actually seen drug use go down. Yeah, not by a lot, mind you. No. But, and, and I've seen some of the statistics. What happens is you actually see a rise in some age categories, often the older age categories, while the younger age categories drop off. So um, I think that's sort of a, a an interesting effect because it's probably people that might have smoked pot once or something and then go, oh, wow. It's also the inverse of the fears that people that uh, oppose these kinds of policies generally project a usually claim that it will create a permissive environment mm. and more young people in particular will use them, which is something Very slippery that the opposite slope. has been found. So. Yep. <clears throat> uh, number two for the senator was people are having more honest conversations, exactly like we're trying to do here at, in Psychedelia. So it's a good thing because um, it's much, much better to have honest conversations and be able to, if, if, if there is a problem, then you can address it immediately rather than it turn into um, something that's in the back of your mind. Yeah, this is quoted directly from the senator's website. Uh, People take drugs for a reason, and it's ridiculous that we continue to try to pretend that they don't. In Portugal, a genuine conversation has begun to emerge where young people can talk about the reasons why they are taking drugs and the risks associated with them can be discussed openly so that people can make sensible decisions about their health and their lives. Excellent. Uh, Number three, it's about more than changing the laws. Uh, There's countries that have the death penalty and they actually have high drug use for whatever reason. Maybe they're in a transit country or there's just a particular social environment where that's uh, facilitated. Yep. Um, Number four, we need to invest in health treatment and support. In Portugal, money spent prosecuting individual drug users is redirected to treatment, and the treatment panels assist people with problematic drug use to deal with addiction, but they also assist with things like housing and employment. So it's a well-rounded approach to cover all the issues of why people might be having problems with their drug use in the first place. Exactly. Um, And number five, and this is the really significant one for us here, I think, Australia is lagging behind. Uh, we need to move past the war on drugs and embrace new alternative models that have been shown to be effective overseas. So, And it's good to see the, um, the Greens come out with that this week. Uh, there are a few other political parties um, that are in various parliaments around Australia that uh, support these sorts of models. So the more, the merrier. <laughs> yeah, I think the it's a significant shift considering that you know the Greens have um, some real political... Uh, muscle mm. in several parliaments around Australia, so they may actually be able to, you know, push a bit harder for changes to come around a little bit quicker and, you know, use their presence in the federal parliament to maybe do some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that needs to happen. Exactly. And this is a show... Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, yeah, I just also wanted to promote that um, <clears throat> if you wanted to see the Senator in a, a conversation on this, on Tuesday the 28th at 930 ABC2 will be hosting a uh, live studio discussion, Australians on Drugs. So this is Tom Tilley from the Hack Program, um, you know, has been covering some drug issues on, on that program, and he'll be hosting a live studio discussion. So that's ABC2? Yeah, that's yep. correct. Yeah. 
Excellent. Well, that, that's uh, very good news. So, In Psychedelia is a program that focuses on um, harm reduction as a philosophy, and that is uh, policies, programs, and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social, and economic consequences of the use of legal and illegal psychoactive drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Uh, but for those, um, if you do feel that uh, you have a problem with substances, there is always help available. Uh, 24 hour, seven day a week uh, phone number is direct line and their phone number is 1-800-888-236 if you, uh, if you do want to get in contact with them. Um, I, I want to uh, play a song uh, now for um, a, a friend of mine who uh, passed away on, on Thursday. He was um, 20, 26 years old. Uh, his name is Max Luca Redaway. Um, he had muscular dystrophy, so uh, it, it's it's one of those debilitating diseases that unfortunately um, kills a lot of young people. Um, Max was a big fan of um, of bass, just the bass guitar and bass and funk music, and um, he quite liked Les Claypool, who did an entire album dedicated to mushrooms. Um, and this this is uh, Les Claypool with Abaditas. On in psychedelia 3CR. Harm Reduction Victoria presents the Novel Psychoactive Substances Seminar. Join four of Australia's leading experts on novel psychoactive substances. Dr. David Caldicott, Fiona Patton, Dr. Stephen Bright and Stephanie Genetis will discuss the prevalence, trends in use, legality and effects of novel psychoactive substances. Tuesday the 28th of July, 2 until 6pm at the Supper Room in Melbourne's Town Hall. Tickets are available via Harm Reduction Victoria's website, hrvic.org.au. Harm Reduction Victoria is a non-for-profit community organisation. And that is happening this um, this Tuesday, and there are still a few tickets available, so if you did want to go and find out a little bit more about the um, the, the prevalence of new drugs that have uh, entered the market, then head along to hrvic.org.au, and you can grab your tickets there. Also, um, Harm Reduction Victoria has just released their 33rd um, edition of WAC magazine, which um, you might be familiar with if you're uh, ever long at some of the uh, health services. It's only available from uh, from places like uh, health services and um, drug and harm reduction services, um, but it's quite a quite a jam-packed issue. It's quite quite hefty this week, and oh, that's my daughter in the background. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, lot, lots of lots of stuff in this um, this issue of WAC. So if you can uh, find that at a um, at a provider somewhere to pick it up uh and um i i sort of i I wanted to uh share share a quick story because i i think um sometimes people forget about the the reason and we were talking a little bit about this before but the reason why people take drugs because there's often this sort of medical or criminal discourse which are um about the immorality or about the addiction but the reality is that most people take drugs because um it's for pleasure and for um the uh intrigue as well um for self-exploration of some kind or, or something like that and um in uh 2010 uh me and my friend max um I, I met him when i was working uh up in the bigger valley uh in new south wales where I, I used to work in commercial radio up there um and we went down to one of the beaches there beautiful beaches along the um uh, along that coast um very pristine and uh took acid together on the the, uh, on the beach, um, and it was quite a lovely night. There were some uh, other kids, local kids, that turned up and drank uh, drank lots of booze and rode around on 
four-wheeler, two-wheeler, I had noisy contraptions all around, and uh, we managed to win some of them over as our friends because we were the far better uh, fire lighters and um, we were much more fun than some of their friends, I think. But maybe that's just rubbing my own belly or whatever the uh, whatever the phrase is. But um, uh, Max uh, was somebody that did enjoy um, psychedelics, although uh, couldn't um, enjoy them in the latter part of his life because of um, heart condition and uh, and and things like that. But uh, you know, it's it goes to show that it's not for most people it's not about um addiction it's not about them being immoral it's about a uh, it's about self-exploration fun it's about a social experience um and, and and something that that goes a lot a lot deeper than um than sort of just trying to go against society man or uh you know be an addict of some kind or another um yeah just wanted to sort of share that story um you're both looking at i, I think that um <laughs> I think that the very simple thing that that it could be acknowledged here is that the main reason a lot of people take drugs is simple curiosity. That's mm. the bottom line. They're wondering about an experience. Maybe they heard something, read something, and they're curious. Yep, exactly. Think, yeah, I think I'd fully agree with that. Um, you know, but I think a lot of the time we it's very hard for people to explain the reasons why they use particular drugs. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at cannabis, for example, uh, I actually caught up with my uh, local member of parliament during the week, uh, Sydney McLeish, for Eildon, and we're talking about drugs and drug law reform. And I do encourage everyone to actually get in touch with the local member of parliament and actually try and you know sit down with them and do a bit of education. But um, you know, she was saying, "Oh, but you know, I know these people that have been messed around by cannabis," and I sort of said, "Well, actually, you know, it's sort of interesting because you have a situation there where." Um, you know, people with schizophrenia, for example, you know, there's a definite correlation between um, their psychosis and taking cannabis, but they continue to take cannabis. And certainly in my counselling work, um, I've encountered people who have schizophrenia who basically said, look, the only reason I'm still alive today is because I take cannabis and I use cannabis. That's... And, you know, I mean, coincidentally during the week, I um, um, went out uh, on Wednesday night, uh, social thing, and one of my friends drank herself absolutely stupid, and we had to, you know, basically drop her off home. Um, you know, next day it's sort of like, you know, she's only twenty years old, so she's never been drunk before. Next day it was, oh, I'm never going to go near that. So the thing is that, you know, people will make intelligent decisions about what it is, and you know, if we look at someone who go, oh, schizophrenia, cannabis, and just discount it, immediately we're ignoring, you know, what. Their motivation is, well, why are they this, doing it and what do they get out of it? And recognising they actually do get something out of it. Exactly. And there's a lot of, um, uh, still a lot of questions up in the air around uh, cannabis and whether, although it does correlate with um, some mental illnesses, uh, the causative relationship look, is not well defined. Look, and I actually honest, met with yeah. the um, head of the psychiatry department uh, for uh, University of Melbourne recently who handed me a book um, that he has done, which is Madness and Marijuana, mm. where, where he's looked into a lot of this and it's still... You know, this is this is a guy who's Look, at the top of his field, and he uh, um, he he says it, it's it's still there's no there's no clarity in this. To be honest with you, I think you can pretty much discount any ca causal link between cannabis and marijuana after sixty plus between years. Cannabis and sorry, sorry. cannabis <laughs> and schizophrenia. <laughs> um, but the the issue that I'm talking about is more that if someone with a psychological disorder. Um, for want of a better word, um, uses a drug like cannabis, 
it does have a measurable impact on the behaviour and that um, you know can often be perceived in a very negative way by the people around them. But as I said, they continually, you know, not all of them. I mean, there are some people that won't go near it after their first um, few experiences combining you know, schizophrenia and cannabis, but there are a significant number who do, and we need to recognise why. I think the other thing that's important in this conversation is to recognise that when we say cannabis... Um, you can make a bit more of a distinction now. In, in the countries around the world that have had medicinal marijuana programs for quite some time, there's a very clear distinction between high THC varieties and high CBD, low THC varieties in the impact and outcome. And um, I'm aware that in the United Kingdom, um, GSK Pharmaceuticals are actually looking and doing active studies into CBD varieties as an antipsychotic. So I think the relationship between potential cognitive impairment and illness is a lot more complicated when it comes to cannabis because there's more than one psychoactive compound happening there. Uh, and what we're talking about, CBD and THC, if you aren't aware, are both um, two of the cannabinoids that are uh, in uh, cannabis, which contains, I think, over 100 different kinds of just cannabinoids, cannabinoids alone, uh, let alone other chemicals in there. Um, as we know, at the, at the start of the 20th century, there was a lot of uh, uh, research into, um, into, into various plants for their pharmaceutical effects, and that's where most of our modern medicine comes from. It comes from plants, it comes from herbs, it comes from the natural world that we have gone and looked at and synthesized and gone, how, how do we get the the best possible effect that we can get for this very specific thing out of that? Well, we haven't been able to do that with cannabis yet. So although it is just uh, still in this, this sort of herbal medicinal um, uh, point at the moment, this is why we need more research, because things like CBD uh, may hold a lot of potential for being an antipsychotic type drug. Uh, if you do want to get in touch with us, uh, head on to the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, jump onto the Encyclopedia program page, and there are links there to our website, Facebook and Twitter. You can also send us an email, and we do value your contributions as well. So if, if there's something that you want to say or if there's something that you want to contribute, whether it's a, a story that you've got to tell or heard or perhaps some music or poetry or anything like that, uh, do jump onto the website and uh, and get in contact with us. This is Encyclopedia on 3CR. We're going to hear from Fiona Patton soon. Uh, this is a um, uh, recorded bit from 2012, so a few years ago now, but she was over in uh, Portugal and she's going to talk a little bit about the um, Portuguese uh, drug policy because we're focusing a bit on it today with um, the Greens coming out and announcing that they uh, too are behind it. So good to have um, Fiona Patton in the uh, Victorian uh, Parliament, part of the Australian Sex Party, advocating for it. And now uh, some of the Greens, hopefully we'll uh, see some of the major parties come on board with that as well. Uh, I've got Daheen uh, here now uh, from Regen Records, um, and this is Anthropocene on 3CR. This is the story of how one species changed a planet. We, one species, Homo sapiens, are now altering the physical, the chemical, and the biological properties of the planet on a geological scale. We move more sediment and rock annually than all natural processes, such as erosion and rivers. We manage three quarters of all land outside the ice sheets. Greenhouse gas levels this high have not been seen for over one million years. Temperatures are increasing. We have made a hole in the ozone layer. We are losing biodiversity. Ocean acidification is a real threat. We are altering Earth's natural cycles. 
We have entered the Anthropocene. Anthropo refers to us, refers to human beings. So unlike the previous eras in Earth's history, which were marked by meteorite strikes, big changes, for example, in plate tectonics or something like this, this is a biological species, ourselves. And we are pushing the planet into a new and perhaps somewhat frightening geological as well as biological
are shaping our present. Can shape our future. You and I are part of the story. You are the first generation to realize this new responsibility. As the population grows to nine billion, we must find a safe operating space for humanity. For the sake This is in psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Now this is um, a bit of a talk from Fiona Patton, leader of the Australian Sex Party and member of the Legislative Council in Victoria. This is uh, from 2012, talking about the Portuguese drug policy. Eleven years ago, Portugal decriminalised the possession and use of all drugs. and But they didn't just do that. They then implemented a whole system around it that was around being humane about drug use, also um, uh, about treating drug use as out, totally outside the criminal system. And there was a number of reasons which I'll, I'll, I'll cover in a, in, a, in a few minutes, but we read a lot about the Portuguese model and we adopted a lot of their policies and into our policies and one of the reasons we did that was that they have had 11 years of this policy and of this new regime so there is evidence there is scientific evidence it has been assessed and they can look at the successes and failures of that quite radical approach of saying it is no longer illegal to take drugs or use drugs So I was fortunate enough to um, be invited to speak in England um, a few months ago with a paid air ticket over there. So I then hopped over to Portugal to um, to try and talk to people over there. And it was an amazing, it was a great experience and I haven't really had the opportunity to talk about it much. So I spoke to Dr Alex Wodak who heads up the Drug Law Reform Foundation in Australia And he said to me, he said, look, Fiona, you need to get in touch with this guy called Nuno Capaz. He's sort of the pin-up guy of the Portuguese model. And I don't have his email address, but I'm sure you'll find him. And when you do, he's tall, dark and charming. And I know you'll get along. Um, And he was right. Um, So I Googled him. I found him. (laughs) I wrote to him. He immediately wrote back saying, look, I'd love to... To help you, we'd love to talk to you about about um, drug law reform. So I flew over to Portugal. They had organised a number of meetings for me to meet different people within the program over there. And it's very much a health model, and it's a really big part of their health scheme. The first person that I met was, of course, Nuno. And um, Nuno Capaz runs what's called over there, the Drug Dissuasion Court, which sounds Orwellian, um, and I certainly thought it was. After I'd, uh, after I'd actually spoken to Nuno and, and actually seen the Drug Dissuasion Court in action, I realised it was actually quite a good title for it. Um, so while drugs are, drug use and, and drug possession has been decriminalised, still, if a police officer finds you having a line of coke on the back of the, to- you know, on the toilet cistern in a nightclub or smoking a joint in a park, they issue you with a notice. And from that notice, you have 72 hours to ring the drug dissuasion 
court and make an appointment to go and see them. So I'll just so I'll run through that. So what happens is, so if someone gets caught smoking a joint or taking some, the police bus and taking some ecstasy um, into a music festival or something like that, they then go and front up at the drug dissuasion court where they speak to a psychologist or a social worker. You know, what's drug use, what sort of, and what sort of drug use do you have? Why are you taking drugs? What was happening? And they look at whether they think you are a drug addict and have a real issue with drugs, whether you are a recreational user with really no issues taking drugs, as most studies find that 99% of people who do take drugs have no real issue with them, um, or if you're somewhere in between. And that person is then sent in to speak to the drug dissuasion court, which is a lawyer and a sociologist. And their, their officers are incredibly modest. They're just sort of these really tacky 70s, um, vinyl-floored, vinyl-walled, vinyl seats um, kind of officers. And the drug dissuasion court takes place in the, in the lunchroom of the, the office. And so you sit down in the office and I was very lucky that one of the fellows who was going up before the drug dissuasion court um, agreed for me to sit in on his, um, on, on his he hearing, for want of a better word. So this young fellow, he was in his late 20s. He was, uh, worked in hospitality. He was a barman, bar barman. He had got busted snorting lines in the toilet at the nightclub, so he had to go in. They then started talking to him, so, you know, how much coke do you use? Well, you know, it was, it was amazing because there's no fear of a criminal record because there's no fear that you're going to go to jail in this process. Um, that he was really open and he'd already spoken to the, so, to the um, social worker or psychologist. He was then in there saying, yeah, look, I do take a bit of coke and when I take coke, then I drink a fair bit and then when I drink a fair bit, then I take a bit more coke and... You know, then I'm out really late, so I drink more, and you know. And they said, right, well, you know, how does that work for you? And he said, look, if I'm not drinking, I never take coke. You know, it doesn't even cross my mind to go and get some coke. And they said, all right, so you know, about your drinking, how much do you do you think you drink more than your mates? He said, well, yeah, I probably do drink more than my mates, and um, actually, it's probably a bit of an issue. They said, well would you like to see someone about your drinking? And he said, yeah, actually, I wouldn't mind having a chat to someone about that. Right, stamped, finished, filed. He was given an appointment with a, with a counsellor to go and talk about his alcohol use. And that was how they dealt with, with this. Another fellow who came in, he'd, got caught, he'd been smoking joints in the park. Um, when they started talking to him about, when the psychologist talked to him, he came in and he was probably smoking from morning till night in the park, joints all day. Um, but they said, so, you know, what else are you doing? He said, oh, nothing really. And they said, well, well, so he said, I'm just pretty bored. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, oh, I think he said he wanted to be in web design or something like that. And they said, right, well, we can probably arrange for you to get into a course to do web design. Um, how does that sound? Well, oh, that'd be brilliant. You know, and case shut, off it goes. 
and this kid is then in a TAFE course doing some web design, which means that he has less time to be smoking joints during the day. Um, so it's this incredibly pragmatic, incredibly human idea, but it was also about dissuasion. You know, they were trying to say people should use less drugs, but we're not going to lock them up for using drugs. We're just going to find ways of diverting them. If someone comes in who's obviously really addicted and has a real issue, they can go into rehab then and there. They find up and there's a place for them in rehab and it's as quick and easy as that. Yeah, as is the, the Portuguese way. I mean, their real drug of choice in Portugal is caffeine. And I mean, I love caffeine, but keeping up with them, like, you know, espressos with two sugars and then a Portuguese tart or a pastry with extra sugar on top. Um, you know, I, I was kind of off my face by lunchtime only because I'd had eight espressos. Um, <laughs> so I, I was saying to Nuno, that's just amazing, you know, and how many people, how, what is the cases? And he said, look, 75% of the cases are under 30 or under 25, mainly because those are the people that are taking drugs outside their home because they still live with their parents, so they can't take drugs. So they're, they're more obvious and they're more likely to get picked up. 5 to 10% would actually have a drug problem and they're able to move them in straight away. If you don't go through this process, then we can fine you for not coming. Um, I think the figure was about 95% of them actually came and the other 5%, they're fine for not appearing. Um, and that is actually very rare. At this particular drug dissuasion place, they were seeing um, about five to 10 a day. So they was probably seeing about a thousand a year. There was probably a few thousand going through the system um, each year, maybe not that many. There was, in some port towns where there was also music festivals, um, it seemed that in those areas where the police would actually go in and, you know, go and stand outside a music festival and write people notes saying, you know, you've got an ecstasy, you've got an ecstasy, you've got an ecstasy, you've got an ecstasy, and their numbers are looking great. Meanwhile, that was actually, in that particular town, that was probably the main place that drugs were imported into Portugal, but they never seemed to get caught. To put that into context, um for Australia, the majority of drug users go to prison because um, they don't turn up to court. Um, and there's very little incentive to turn up to court because they know that the penalties are going to be either a fine or jail time, um, which ends up building up because of failure to appear and stuff. So really what, what, what you're doing by removing sort of the criminalised element of sort of drug um, enforcement is trying to encourage regulatory compliance. So it, it shows that just because somebody's taking drugs doesn't mean they're socially marginalised. What we want to do is implement a model that will actually encourage them to take part in the system that we've set up, uh, which currently doesn't happen very well in Australia. So it's more that people can seek it. So yeah, a criminal yeah, record. That's right. I mean, one of the interesting things was because in the Czech Republic and in Spain. They've also, to a great degree, decriminalised the use and possession of drugs, and it's an, but it's an on-the-spot fine in those countries. Um, and then if you don't pay the on-the-spot fine, then you go down a, 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 diff, a more criminal path. But in this one, because you have to sort of turn up, 
and you have to kind of reflect on your drug use and and then they've got resources to to help you whether it's a a guy who thinks he might have a bit of an issue with alcohol or a guy who's just hasn't managed to get himself into a TAFE course or do something that keeps him entertained during the day it was um that it's much more effective uh and certainly the statistics are that it has been effective you know the um, HIV stats are down deaths deaths because of drugs are down um the one you know the the amount of people using drugs in Portugal is not necessarily down but it's lower than anywhere else um the really telltale signal sign was that the the people who are going to have a problem with drugs 99% of people who are going to have a problem with drugs start young they start between between the ages of 14 to 17 so anyone who does have a problem with drugs you can be pretty certain that they started at 14 to 17 the vast majority of people who start between 14 and 17 don't go on to have a problem with drugs but the ones that do did start then and what the one really telling figure that has come out of 12 years of this is that people are taking dr- starting to take drugs at a later age in Portugal so that kind of you know bad boy or the the sort of the 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 naughtiness of it i think has been removed they've also been able to do to put their resources into education rather than um policing and and enforcement and this was one of the most telling signs of this was before um you know as is the way in portugal before we went out for a long lunch um nuno said oh look behind these partitions and there's all these files and i said oh you know he said yeah these are just all the files we just don't quite know what to do with them you know kind of got to get rid of them but we don't know how to get rid of them you know because it's got personal information but there's no there's no need to keep them they just didn't know how to get rid of them so they had all these files and they're all four pages one two three pages so they've got one from the police officer who wrote the ticket wrote the report not a report wrote the first thing in front notice one from the social worker that assessed them and one from the drug dissuasion um commission that wrote the result it's three pages in each manila folder and there's piled high and then there was this other pile of files that were like this thick and i said well what are those and he said well they're the ones that have come from the court so this is when i got someone's been caught and they've got more than the you know minimum more than the maximum amount in their personal possession so instead of having i don't know whatever 30 grams of marijuana they've got 80 grams of marijuana so they end up in court which means the police then have to write a full report it then goes off to the police prosecution then there's a defense lawyer they write a report and so you've got all of these reports on reports on reports then it goes to court so there's all the court reports and it, in those cases it was when it got there that it became absolutely obvious that this person was just there for personal use and the court can at that point say I don't want this to proceed any further it's to go to the drug dissuasion court but even for it to get to the court the file was that big and you you know the cost of that case was tens of thousands of dollars generally in the public purse if if someone is uh keeps coming back and keeps getting busted smoking joints in the park um that 
they, they still don't want that person to end up in the courts. So they will then look at, well, whatever we did the first time didn't work, so let's look at some other, some other structure. Also, that will be an indicator that that, pos that person may be struggling with, with drug use um, and the fact that they are um, appearing before, you know, getting picked up by the police regularly may be an indicator that they, that they either need to move out from their parents' house um, and get their own place so they can smoke at home um, or that they actually have other issues. 3CR Community Radio, that was Fiona Patton, leader of the Australian Sex Party and also member of the Legislative Council in Victoria, talking about the Portuguese drug policy. Uh, that recording was from 2012 when the uh, party adopted that policy. Uh, this week we've heard that the Greens have adopted the uh, Portuguese drug policy as well. Uh, that's the first part of a two-part um, uh, interview with uh, Fiona Patton, or, or speech actually, it was at a, uh, a sex party event uh, that she was talking at, and you can get the second part on the Encyclopedia website. It's actually episode nine of an original series of podcasts uh, that we did back in 2012. Uh, you can just jump online to 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page and all the links are available there. We've got Queering the Air coming up at four uh, sorry, at three o'clock, three till four on, uh, on 3CR 855 AM. And I'm uh, joined now by two regular contributors to Encyclopedia, uh, Ash and Greg, and uh, we want to talk a little bit more about the, um, uh, the Portuguese podcast policy, which, because of this announcement this week, I'm um, very hopeful that uh, possibly some Australian politicians will start, uh, more Australian politicians, I, sh I should say, will, will start taking this policy more seriously as a, as a way to uh, at least remove some of the stigma around drug use and especially around the, um, the criminal side, which, which creates some of the, the worst problems in prohibition. Yeah, I think the um, the key thing to acknowledge with the Portuguese model, I think, for policymakers is that it's a much better way of achieving the stated outcomes of the drug war anyway. Now, the reason they're prosecuting, you know, drugs as a criminal uh, action is because, as they justify it, they want less people using drugs, they want less people coming to harm, you know, all of these things, they want less crime. And decriminalisation, like Portugal's done, is actually better at achieving those outcomes than having harsh drug laws. Exactly. I think also the ability to redirect resources is uh, something that needs to be really focused on because in a country like Australia, US, we spend around about 90% of the anti-drug, and I use the word anti-drug deliberately, uh, budget on policing. In Portugal, they spend 90% of that budget on helping people. Um, and they also have, you know, really, they have more money to spend in a lot of ways because they aren't actually focusing on, um, you know, putting people in jail and things like that. So there's a huge amount of money that can be redirected. Um, yeah, I mean, the weakness of the Portugal system is that they still, uh, it's still legal. There's still a black so market. There's exactly. still a black market. And I mean, if you look at the, the big issue that you have, and you know what I'm always telling people is that if you try to set up a way to fund organised crime and you're thinking, gee, what's the business model I should use? You probably couldn't come up with a better one than Prohibition. That's, that's very true. It billions, does. Billions of dollars a year straight into, it, you know, uh, buy horses, donkeys, whatever it is you want. You've, you know, organised crime. Go for it. Uh, important, in, in, important uh, distinction to make if you haven't really understood the difference between decriminalisation and legalisation. Uh, decriminalisation would be something like um, speeding or parking fines, something like that. These are, are not 
criminal um, sanction. So you, although you might park in the wrong spot for a bit, you get a fine. You don't go to jail for it um, unless you get like thousands of dollars worth of parking fines. And I think even then um, you're unlikely to go to jail for it. So uh, the, the market for drugs still remains illegal. Trafficking, illegal, supply, illegal. It's possession in Portugal um, that is uh, decriminalised. And um, with, with possession, they allow people up to seven days of use of a drug, ten, I think. Ten, oh, ten, ten days, ten days use of a drug, which I don't know. How, do you know how they figure that out? Because my yeah, ten there's, days there's is going to be different. Um, there's a chart. Um, there's a chart for it. And yeah, it is, it is an imperfect, uh, I won't mm. even call it a science, an I- imperfect policy area. Uh, but it's better than uh, what a lot mm. of countries around the world have currently with prohibition. So it is a little bit flimsy. I think it's something um, in the order of like, I can't even remember mm. off the top of my head. You'd have to look it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I think the... Um, I was saying before that I'd spoken to my local member of parliament and uh, uh, during one of the um, breaks, Ash was uh, telling us about an experience he had with um, um, the uh, radio during the week. So maybe you could fill us in on that. Oh, yeah. I think um, if you're going to get active in this area, um, you know, the world's changed by people that show up. So I try and take any opportunity to, to get on the radio and to basically just say that I'm a drug user as well and that I'm... You know, object to being criminalised for that. I, I don't harm anybody through my drug use, through my actions. Um, so I got on to the, the talk back on, on the ABC Friday morning on, on the rap program, which is like their political rap for the week, because I was a bit frustrated that, that during, you know, the talk back and the media this week that um, the announcement by Richard Di Natale wasn't getting the kind of attention that I thought it deserved in terms of like a, a significant policy area in Australia. Mm. And it certainly kicked off a, a discussion between the panellists. There was a uh, the Liberal member for Q, and um, I forget her name, but, but she's, a, she's a lawyer for uh, Morris Blackburn and, and John Fain. And they certainly got vibrant and, and you know, uh, active about the issue. Um, the Liberal member was uh, pretty steadfast in basically considering me a criminal. And, yes, um, I've, I've had a similar experience with um, a, a Liberal member, the former Minister for Mental Health, actually. Right. Um, <laughs> Mary Wildridge? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting, you know, from the Conservative side that they can't even see that, you know, as a fiscal Conservative, this is a sensible approach to embrace. That's that's why we need to keep these conversations going to uh, hopefully change change the minds of people because a lot of the a lot of the reasons why people um, oppose any change to the drug policy is is fear and and that fear comes from a place of not understanding the issues at all. They don't mm. even understand. A lot of the time, when you talk to people who have very strong opinions on on drugs, they'll only have a couple of anecdotes in their head. They might be personal anecdotes, more likely to be a second uh, or a third. Um, uh, hand anecdote of a friend of a friend or a family member or something a friend of, friend of a family member who had this big drug problem and oh, we need to keep them illegal because oh look at the problem they had without ever considering that maybe that problem was exacerbated by the fact that the drug is prohibited mm. um, I don't think people make that, that link very often which yeah. is uh, unfortunate because that's, that keeps the conversation very um, uh, at a very uh, boring level, I suppose. Look, my experience with Parliament, having um, written to all members of the state Parliament and all med- members of the federal Parliament uh, in the beginning of 2001 and basically done exactly what Ash is talking about and saying, no, I use drugs and I'm not going to apologise for it and if you disagree with my use of drugs, then arrest me, put me in jail. 
And here you are. Here I am. And this is this is the kind of thing. So, um, you know, the reality is that I've I've discovered that yes, people like the member for Q, are uh, very keen to get that soundbite in. Mm. Um, but when push comes to shove, and they actually get confronted by someone such as us, in a serious kind of way, triple um, zero, no. And they're not going to, you know, and to be honest with you, I should get in touch with the member of Q and invite him to arrest me. Um, because I'm I don't think members of parliament um, have a right to arrest. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he can, he, you know, he can, he can always ring triple zero. But the fact of the matter is that there's, um, you know, a lot of what they say about drugs, as you say, is said from ignorance, but it's also said from public consumption. You know, these guys yeah. at the end of the day, you know, this local member of Q, I'm sure he goes to bed at night and he's got a little shrine where he's, you know, prays to become Premier of Victoria. Um, you know, they all want to get up that greasy pole, get their um, political careers happening and uh, be successful. And the way to do that at the moment is not by promoting um, an end to the war on drugs. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Uh, we're in Psychedelia. I've been joined by Greg and Ash uh, in Psychedelia Contributors. You can head along to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the program page uh, to get in contact with us. We're on Facebook, Twitter. We've got an email address. There's a website. And uh, do get in, in co uh, contact with us, especially if you've got a story to tell because we do want to hear it. Up next is Queering the Air on, uh, on 3CR and also don't forget that on Tuesday, Harm Reduction Victoria is presenting the substance-specific seminar series. Uh, it's on new psychoactive substances, the new drugs that are available, sometimes called legal highs or party pills. That's on Tuesday. hrvic.org.au is the website to grab some tickets. 3CR in psychedelia. We'll see you next week at uh, 2 o'clock on Facebook. been listening to in psychedelia a 3cr community radio podcast for more information on anything you've heard in this program head along to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the in psychedelia program page